Hey guys, it's me, P. And me, S. And you're listening to the Girl on Girl podcast. But it's not what you think. But also, it's kind of what you think. Okay, here's the deal. My name is Persis. I'm queer, Indian, femme, and a little over five feet tall. And my name is Sarah. I'm straight, white, cis, and a proud ginger. Every episode, we're going to talk about sexuality from a queer perspective, from a straight perspective, and what it means to find the fluidity between the two. We're going to talk about taboos, labels, dating, awkward moments, pop culture icons. We're also going to talk safe sex, self-discovery, discrimination, and what it means to be a queer minority. Hey, P. Hey, S. What's happening? Oh, nothing. I am just very excited for this episode. I am very excited for this episode. Very is an understatement. Why are we so excited? Tell the people. Because we just had an amazing guest on our show, and we had a lovely, lovely conversation with... Drum roll, please. Umberly Gonzalez. If you don't know Umberly, she is on your TV screens. She is on your movie screens. She is on your phone screen. She is on your computer screens. <laughs> She's just on pretty much every screen that's available to you because she plays Sophie in Ginny and Georgia, the Netflix show that is super popular right now. Not only is she one of the main characters in that show, she is also playing a queer character and she herself identifies as queer. So we had her on the show to talk about everything, all things queer, all things growing up in Venezuela, all things being an actor and how that shaped her entire experience of not only moving to Canada, but also you know, finding herself, discovering who she is. Honestly, this was just such a good conversation. Oh my gosh, yeah. Sarah and I are super giddy right now because we feel like we learned so much about her and her story. And there was so much that I could relate to with what she was saying. And I feel like there's no doubt in my mind that all of you will be able to relate to this as well. Yeah, exactly. And like just hearing her talk about not only the prejudice towards the queer community in her culture coming from Venezuela, but also just like how acting was the vessel that like brought her into who she is. I just think her story is so unique, but it's also so universal. And I'm so excited for everyone to hear her be vulnerable and talk about stuff that's kind of hard, but she talks about it with like such grace. Like as she was talking about these hard things, I was like, did you script this beforehand? Because you are speaking so eloquently as if you have spoken about this a million times. But the truth is, like, this is the first time she's really speaking openly about it. Us as girl on girl, we're so excited to hear that firsthand from her and for her to be so vulnerable about it. I really appreciated that. And I know Sarah did, too. I mean, you guys know who have been listening. Like, this podcast is about just open, honest, no bullshit conversations. And that's exactly what we got with Umberly. And we're just so grateful that she was willing to share it with us. Purse. It was so fun doing this interview with you. We are so excited for all of you to hear it. If there's any Ginny and Georgia fans here, welcome to our pod. We hope that you find 
this environment a safe space to listen and learn and engage. If you have any topics you want us to cover, shoot us a DM. We are always around to chat. If you want to listen to past episodes we've done, they are all chilling in our archive. We're on Spotify, we're on Apple, and we just want to keep having conversations about what it means to be queer and how we can all, no matter what we identify as, just understand each other a bit more. Totally agree. And thank you guys for tuning in. We really appreciate it. And we hope you guys enjoyed this episode with Umberly. Hi. Hello. Oh my God, my forehead is so shiny. Oh my God. Your forehead looks beautiful. Hi. She's the star of this podcast. She's <laughs> glowing. You're literally glowing. Uh, love it. How are you? I'm good. It was actually a pretty nice day. It was supposed to rain and then it didn't. So I spent uh, some time outside, which was really nice. Thank you so much for talking to us. We are so excited to talk to you. Cool. I'm kind of nervous. <laughs> Don't be nervous. The whole point of our podcast is just to like have very open conversations about queerness and like what it means to be especially a femme queer woman and nothing set in stone. We can talk about whatever you want, whatever you feel comfortable with. There are no rules. We're just going to chat, chit chat. Literally, Sarah and I are the definition of just going with the flow. So love that. That's what we're going to do. We're all good. Yay. Tell us about yourself. First of all, like, what's your name? What do you do? Give us like the little spiel, even though anyone listening will probably already know. Well, my actual full name is Umberly Vanessa Gonzalez Sanchez. Love saying it full out. That's amazing. (laughs) She's here. She's here. Um, Wow. She has arrived. I was born and raised in Venezuela. Um, like literally lived for the first 12 years of my life there in full-blown Spanish like English was not really part of my life until I left that country and I moved to Aruba which is where I learned English and then ultimately ended up in Canada in like 20 oh my god 2007 what am I doing 20 something no 2007 (laughs) it's like been a long time it's 2007 2007 yeah let's go with that (laughs) but you know I've always been a performer at heart since I was a kid. Literally, my parents always told me that. And it's very obvious that I think to me and everyone around me that knew me since a very young age that I was just kind of meant to do this and to share my art, my storytelling, my spirit and shine with the world. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. When did you start acting? Were you kind of young when you got into acting or was it a little bit later? When I think of acting, I think of just performing without feeling judgment or some kind of like fear you know since I was a kid literally my brother and I used to give our parents concerts like at their parties adult parties would happen and then at some point in the night my brother and I would be like okay it's time for us to sing our song that we have prepared all day for you guys I love that so much would you guys do dances too Oh, we would do everything and like my my brother dance but he sings too so we used to sing like duets like Avril Lavigne like why <laughs> no. oh, oh my God. gosh actually yeah. my my cousin and I used to do that too which is really? we would sing to like Hillary Duff we would like oh yeah I would Hillary make Duff. him do it yes yeah sit the family down we are putting on a dance 100 percent, all the time especially during the holidays like we always had shows going on yeah so I was never in fear of people's opinions I guess and I enjoyed the attention afterwards like my whole family being like you're great here's some candy and I'm like sweet (laughs) Uh, but no I I remember since I was a kid I always 
I was always in like English classes and I'm using like little air quotes because I'm like, really, we just learn like the colors and the animals and, you know, the ABCs and things like that. But since I was six years old, I always wanted to learn English. It was just a dream of mine and it's crazy. And I always begged my parents to put me in English classes so that I could learn. And we always had these little like performances that we would do, whether it was for, you know, like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And like, I would go off, like me doing that. It was like, okay, I'm ready. This is my time. I got a solo. (laughs) You had so much determination. Yeah, I did. And it was like, since I was little. So it's just kind of always been part of me when it truly became real that I knew that I could do this as a career was when I moved to Canada, uh, knowing that in North America, there's a lot more opportunities. And when I found out that you could go to acting school, I was enamored by that. I was like, I have to do that. I really want to do that. I don't know if I can, but how do I do it? So that kind of planted the seed. And all through high school, I was in drama and doing like high school shows, always in high school theater. And then the community theater in Fort McMurray, I joined that as well. So it was just kind of like, meant to be and I'm so happy that I moved to Canada so that I could pursue that because I don't think it would have happened otherwise I would have probably just been like an engineer or something <laughs> who knows <laughs> like complete opposite yeah I love that your parents were also just like so supportive through the whole thing mm-hmm. like they really encouraged that to like they do did the actually and I was shocked I honestly you know my dad is an engineer so I thought that maybe he wanted me to get a quote-unquote real job and I got really good grades that was the all they wanted for me it was like you have to get really good grades in school. And then that way you can, you know, have options when you grow up. But I always loved the arts and my parents used to always come to all my theater shows. My dad would cry. And he's like, you're so good. And I think at one point I literally was like, I want to study communications. I'm moving to China and like doing this crazy student exchange thing. And my dad, literally, I remember we were in the kitchen and he was like, I think that if you don't pursue acting or theater or your art, you're not going to be as happy. So we support you if you want to do that. And I was like, oh, okay. Then let me like sign up for some stuff. Yeah. Incredible. (laughs) Especially as like a child of immigrants, right? Like there is a lot of expectation on you when you move to a country like Canada. There's a lot of pressure. For sure. And I thought that's, you know, I just assumed that they wanted me to, you know, be a doctor or be an engineer or an accountant. I don't know. Something that, that sounds uh, financially or it's like stable. practical, like that <laughs> yeah. practical route. Yeah. Like you can actually mm-hmm. get a job, you know, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I think they always believed in me. They never wavered. It's, it's so unheard of, especially in my culture and like in Latin America that, you know, they want you to, to just be stable because we come from such unstable circumstances back home. Right. And, you know, we were like pretty much the first people to leave. Like most of my family is still back home. So for me to be able to pursue my dreams, it's unheard of in my family. I am the first one to ever do that. I mean, and I guess my dad, he actually did want to be an engineer. He loved numbers and he was so smart. So me and dad, just kind of like pioneers in that. Carving <laughs> yeah. the path. That's amazing. Yeah. Do you remember the first real acting job you got? Like the first acting job you got paid for. Do you remember paid what that for. was? Uh, yeah, of course. I still <laughs> remember this. I honestly came into the film industry super blind. I had only ever done theater really. And I was fascinated by film, but I didn't really know the technicalities of it yet. So it was actually a commercial. It was a Bell 5 commercial, kind of like Star Wars themed. It was uh, 2015, October. And I remember, like, I remember. 
day. The it was day October 5th. Yeah. You can tell us, you know, the, the exact day. You can tell the us. Exact day. <laughs> I remember I got the call and they said, you booked the commercial. You have to fly to Montreal tomorrow. Wow. I was like, oh my God, no time to be wasted. Like I had just gotten out of work. At the time I was working at this restaurant and I literally like biked home, packed a bag and I was so excited. I got picked up in a limo. They like paid for my flight, my hotel. There was like per diem. Like they give you money to spend. I got, I got to Montreal and there was a stretch limo outside. And I literally was like, uh, I'd be like, yes, I've arrived. I'm here. I was like, this is a commercial. Why is, (laughs) why are they picking me up in a stretch limo? And so, you know, that totally shook my world. I felt on cloud nine and I was like, oh my gosh, it's happening. This is so cool got there it was a one-day shoot it was super fun everyone was so nice mm-hmm. and I, I had been living in Montreal for three years before that so it was like my city it felt like being back home in a way and I was like I can't believe I'm back here where I studied for three years and now I'm working like this is goals I don't know if you know my sister she's an actor as well in Toronto Ali Johnson <gasps> um yes <laughs> you know Ali <laughs> I know Ali. Ali you're listening to this <laughs> Hello. Shout out to Allie. But Hi, also, Allie. <laughs> hey, Allie. The reason why I brought her up was because a lot of people don't know that commercials are actually a huge deal for actors. They are totally. extremely lucrative, first of all, because you, yeah. can, you can keep making money as it airs. And mm-hmm. also, like, you can get your actor credit from booking a commercial like Bell. Honestly, the first year that I started acting, I did mostly commercials, if not all commercials. Right. But that also allowed me to be financially independent. And I, was able to not have any other job. Like that allowed me to save up and be like, okay. I mean, full disclosure, I did get fired from my restaurant job because I kept taking time <laughs> off for auditions. And then they were like, you need to have a replacement. And if I couldn't find someone, I'd be like, oh, whatever, I'm just going anyway. I and was like, gonna say, so mad at me. <laughs> at that point, I, w- I would just be like, sorry, I gotta go. Priorities. priorities and they told yeah. me, they were like, we need to let you go. It's obvious this is not your priority. I was bawling because I just hate letting people down, but I was, so, I was crying. And I was like, I'm so sorry. And they were like, we wish you the best. Like, we're not mad. And I was like, I don't know what to do. Like, <laughs> so I honestly, like, that was a blessing because I took that as a sign that I should try and focus on acting 100%. So that's what I did. And the the next few months after that were so vital to my career because my energy was completely on acting rather than being distracted with all of these things. Like getting an audition while you're at work is probably the worst because you can't concentrate and you just want to look at the sides and then you're tired. You get home, the audition's at 9 a.m. the next day. It's awful. So I feel for people who still have to do that. It's like, it's a lot. You have to divide your attention and your energy. And acting is a, a lot of work, a lot of emotional work. The energy is is like the biggest thing I think as well. Like you said, when you're Mm -hmm. really busy and you're at work and you know, you have to put so much into a Mm self-tape or an audition, like that's a lot. Well, still trying to like do your job and be grounded and stay present in like the present moment, but it's, it's extremely hard. I don't know. No, I, I couldn't still be doing that. Yeah. I think it takes like a very particular type of person to be able to do it and to be able to like create a career in it. So like, I just have to say congratulations because you're clearly a hard worker. And I think that's just such a huge facet of it. Like it's not all luck. Like you have to work hard. Now you're on Ginny and Georgia and you're, you're creating this career for yourself. It's, it's like, I think it's very inspiring, especially for, as we're going to talk about with you soon like for people who identify as queer people who are 
in the um the Latin American community, like it's it's inspiring and it's inspiring for other actors too. Yeah, and I hope it is. I mean, I'm just kind of leading by example. I haven't had the easiest journey into like becoming who I am now. And mm. it's I think my career allowed me to feel confident enough to just own it. If that that's makes any sense. No, that, you know? that definitely makes yeah. sense. I was just going to say that I, I feel like we're going into something that we really want to talk about. But first, I just want to ask you, did you know that you beat out Persis for Canada's Philly Cheese Angel? <gasps> no, I didn't. Oh, but I see it. You would have been amazing too. I, I, I only got over it like right now. She's bitter. Oh, She's been bitter ever sorry. since. It's okay. <laughs> I'm just, that's why I'm drinking my wine. So I, I mean, I appreciate that they were really looking at uh, people of color and that they were really opening it up. And I'm like, either either one of us would have been amazing. I would have still been absolutely ecstatic for you. You know? <laughs> no, and that's why I DM'd you though, because I was so excited yeah. that someone of color and someone in the community too was going to yeah. be that angel. Because I, when I filmed the audition, it was purely like just for so much fun. Like yeah. it was, it was hilarious, but I was like, I just hope the new angel is going to be that's someone what I was hoping represent. to. I think I'm like, I just hope that they choose someone that's like, first, like queer. We wanted someone queer, but also like a person of color visibly. I'm like, can we get some dark hair up in here? Some dark eyes, some dark skin. I don't know. Just anything. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was cool. And that was like one of the very first things I shot out of lockdown too. So it was so random to be like, and I'm an angel. <laughs> Die. I don't know. This could be a dream. Like it's just, it was good. Yes. Congrats on that. Yeah. That's, that's Thank actually you. huge. That's amazing. Yeah. She's not Thank actually you. bitter. She's excited. No, for real. I literally <laughs> rapped in my audition video. I was like, I don't know. I love that. I love that. No, they got so many. Honestly, they were like, this was the most fun they've had during a casting. Oh, that's so awesome. It was so creative and, and engaging. And it was probably the best way to do it, you know, because like it ha there hasn't been a commercial for Philly cheese in a long time. So they had to get people involved in a way. It was like such a smart yeah. way to, to be like, show us what you got. And, you know, now every time people eat cream cheese, I'm pretty sure I get a picture like often, just every now and, and again, <laughs> I get some like Philly cheese pictures or something. And they're like thinking of you. And I'm like, I got you. You're like, I'm so happy to represent. I also just think about like young Umberly moving to Canada, like not realizing one day she's going to be associated with cream cheese across the country. You know what I mean? Like it's the way life works is so funny. Kind of cool though. Like you never know what's going to come, but it's, you know, that's why I love the idea of like always expect that something's amazing is about to happen because it will and amazing things happen all the time. So why not? But yeah, that one's definitely a shock. <laughs> when I told my mom, my mom was like, what? Like, Philly like we eat it all the time and it's everywhere right so she's yeah. like I don't understand like it took them a moment to be like wait you're oh like I'm doing the commercial it's so funny <laughs> they're like we're proud we don't always know what's going on but we're proud <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing okay so going back a step let's talk about coming out let's talk about your journey how you got to where you are did you kind of have a coming out experience and what was that like for you not really. I feel like it just kind of bled into my life. Uh -huh. It just kind of seeped out because <laughs> I couldn't just hide it any longer. I mean, growing up, it was a complete no. There was no way. But I know that I knew since I was like 10. I'm pretty sure I was in love with my best friend and I was prohibited from seeing her ever again. It was like very traumatic, honestly. Wait, what do you mean? Like you, you actually weren't allowed to 
Yeah. See her? Yeah. And I still, and I was so young, but I still remember it so vividly. And I think that kind of turned me into the whole, okay, never going there again. This is wrong. And like, I grew up very, very religious. Mm -hmm. Um, So there was always, you know, as a kid, there's this fear of like going to hell and feeling like you're a sinner and like all of those thoughts and feelings was just completely wrong. So for me, it wasn't just me afraid of like people. It was me afraid of God and afraid of hell and afraid of not being accepted literally in the gates of heaven and in life. So it was an added layer of that anxiety as a kid that like, I don't think I even understood that fear. I can, you know, have empathy for little Umberly now. Like, oh, I'm so sorry. Because that is a lot of pressure. But for years and years, I, I never even thought about the word like gay or queer or anything. It doesn't even exist in my culture, honestly. There's a lot of, sadly, homophobia. And I think a lot of it does have to do because of the Bible. Like there's, there's just no acceptance in it there. And like, obviously, we're in a different time now. But back then, there's no way I could ever bring that up. I mean, my fear right. was just either being disowned or just bullied or the hate. I was afraid of all of those things. But throughout my life, I always had these experiences. And I was like, oh, it's just for fun. Oh, I'm just experimenting. Oh, it's, we're just friends. So like, I think back to all of these moments and I'm like, oh, oh no, it's so <laughs> clear. Like literally my entire friend group in high school we were all closeted and now everyone is gay. Like everyone is queer. Mine Every too. single one. That's so weird. Same with purses. Yeah. All of my friends, literally, I was actually having this conversation verbatim with them like two days mm-hmm. ago. There was a group of five girls. All of us are queer. All of us, except yeah. one. She identifies as straight, but it was the same thing. And we kind so of- So wild, right? Too. Like we would like kiss at parties and we're like, oh yeah, yeah. that's just fun. <laughs> it's Whatever. fun. No, totally. That happened all the time. And I guess, I don't know, the older I got and I kind of started being okay with, or I guess letting go of shame. I didn't really have anyone to talk to, never talked to it about to anyone. I never had conversations about being queer until the past couple years, maybe. So it's still been a journey. And so, you know, I went to theater school in Montreal. So this was the first time I moved away from home like away from my parents to have my own life. And that's when things started to kind of open up a bit more for me because I don't know, actors have a way of just kind of owning their shit and their sexuality. There's no shame. And even though I still wasn't having these conversations, I think there was a bit more acceptance and I was able to have experiences without negating them towards the end of my school year. So like towards the end of like 2015, that's when I was like, maybe I'll go to like a gay club and see if like, I'll meet someone and oh the gay panic was just too real honestly I'm pretty sure like I gave a girl my number and she texted me the next day and I screamed and threw my phone across the room <laughs> like that was my experience. that is gay panic I get that totally and I and I sure I still have it but <laughs> it's just like at least I knew that I was trying to dive into a place that even though it was scary for me and it was still very hidden from anybody I could do it like on my own you know I could take the baby steps forward to to accept myself because I think that's the first thing like I just held a lot of guilt and shame towards me like oh you're this person that you know from when we're little we're labeled as like the wrong on the wrong side like you have to pray the gay away like those kinds of comments and it's like oh so you know like the past five years has been my journey into accepting myself and I think even the past year has been the first year that I've actually even used a label 
and even then it's still, I'm not sure. Like, I think queer is just an umbrella term for everything. I think I identified towards pansexual more because I don't really care if you're non-binary women, man, how you identify. I think it's more of like the person. And I've always felt that way. If it's the person, it's an energy thing for me, that's all it is. And I'm like, if it has a label, great. But I never just go, oh, this is who I am. And this, these are my labels. Um, I'm still kind of getting used to it. It's still very yeah. new for me. Yeah. 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 Well, and that can change and evolve for sure. Exactly. And I, I want it to. It has been evolving for so long. Like first I was like, oh, I'm bi. And then I'm like, oh, am I just mm-hmm. gay? And then you go through the, oh no, dated all these like toxic men that messed me up. And then, you know, cause I think I like overcorrected because of my past. Totally. And I yeah. went off the deep end. And then I've definitely, ever since I moved to Toronto the past five, six years. Yeah. I'll be here almost six years. My goodness. I've had the healthiest relationships of my life and I'm able to actually heal from my trauma and open up about my experiences. Whereas before I never used to talk about any of the things I went through. So it was just like learning to communicate and knowing that no matter what, that's my story and nobody, no matter their opinion, they can't take that away from me. So that really helped me. And that's why acting really helped me because I can tell someone else's story and I can feel confident in their queerness. And I'm like, yeah. And I get to explore a side of myself and people see me and they're like, yay, queer. And I'm like, yay. But also like, I haven't come out. So like, but I kind of did. I don't know. There's this like in between where I'm like, I kind of did and didn't. And I also don't feel the need to explain myself. Like at one point I was like, wait, do I have to do like the post? Like, do I have to like write up a thing and do <laughs> the, the whole thing? And I was freaking out. And I was like, oh my God. And my partner was like, you know, you don't have to do that. You can just be you. And the people around you, if they love you, they'll just accept you. And I was like, you're right. I'm not going to do the post. I'm too anxious. And even going back to what you were talking about with labels, like me and Purse just did an episode on labels. And as much as they can be an incredible way for someone to find who they are, they can also be limiting. And it can also be a lot of pressure for someone to have to choose a label First of all, to choose one, and you have a very similar story to Persis in that when she first when she first came out, she was like, "I'm bi," but then it, over the years, she's been like, "I don't really know if that suits me, and it doesn't really suit me." And so, like, it's okay to first of all not choose a label, but it's also more than okay to just not come out and to just be right, just be. I yeah. mean, I love that so much, and and that's why when you ask me, I'm like, "Did I have a coming out?" I'm like, "Not really. I just kind of." you know, slowly started making more posts towards the things that I believed in, the groups that I uh, am an ally to, but also like low-key being like, I am also part of this community. And, you know, like I've been getting so many messages from Latin queer people who are having difficulty coming out, but they feel inspired by seeing someone like them on screen, which I never had. I never saw any queer stories on screen at all. It was the complete opposite, actually. Like telenovelas is like, (laughs) like male female and it's like super sexualized the men have a role the women have a role so for me I that's what I thought I had to be and you know even discovering that like you know I am very femme but sometimes I have these sides of me where I'm like I want to wear like baggier clothes and not have to show off all my curves or not wear makeup or put my hair up or wear a beanie and like for some reason, those things were like not feminine. And I used to get reprimanded for just because, you know, if my parents just didn't know if like, you know, for them, a woman should look a certain way. And if I didn't dress that way, or if I didn't look that way, they'd be like, why didn't you put on makeup? Or why didn't you try? And I'm like, this is just me. <laughs> so I had to like break out of a lot of those things that were imposed on me. And, 
you know, I think a lot of people go through that. It's just kind of like the self-discovery. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And I didn't really think about how much acting would tie into your experience, at least accepting your queerness, because it truly is. I mean, especially because you play queer characters on TV, which we're mm-hmm. going to dive into, but um, <laughs> definitely going to dive into that. But like, I just think I, I like that connection and I never thought of it that way. As an actor, you're a storyteller and you can't be a storyteller unless you're true to your own story. It's just mm-hmm. like such a perfect avenue to like be who you are. I remember when I first booked my first queer role, which I'm pretty sure was Vanessa and In the Dark. Mm-hmm. And I, my heart was anxious. I was scared because my first thought was, oh my God, my parents are going to see me kiss a girl on screen. Like that was my first thought. My family's yeah. going to see it or people are going to see it. What are they going to think? And I instantly was already judging the work without me even like, not even stepping foot on set and meeting my co-star and, and, and experiencing it. But the reason I was scared, it was because I was also so excited. You know, I was like, oh my gosh, I, I get to explore a side of myself that I never really had the chance to. And I'm doing it like in a sneaky way, like, oh, no one really knows that I'm queer. So I got to do it and not have to like talk about it. And that's why I say like acting really truly helped me because through my characters, like they gave me the strength to own who I am, you know, and especially Vanessa being bisexual and, ha- and it having be like a source of friction in their relationship, you know, like literally her girlfriend tells her, you're not even a real, you're like the worst lesbian ever. And I'm like, well, it's because I'm not actually a lesbian. And that, like, that moment was so impactful for me. And, wow. you know, there's a few conversations that I'm like, I've had these conversations and also haven't, you know, like mm-hmm. there's one right. scene where like Vanessa and Jess are listening to Murphy, like have sex and we're like on the door and I'm like, do you ever miss it? And she's like, miss what? And I'm like, penis. And she's like, um, no. And that's when she first finds out that she's bisexual. And like, she just owns it, right? Like, that's just her experience. And it's so funny to me that like, to Vanessa, it doesn't matter. Like, she just likes who she likes. But to Jess, it was a big deal that like, oh, are you a phase? Are you confused? Do you need to make up your mind about me? And those are- Such a, like, that's all biphobia. It is. And those are the comments that I've gotten. I've had people literally tell me like, oh, no, 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 you're just gay. I know that in five years, you're just going to be dating women. And I'm like, oh, that's so rude. (laughs) Like it negates my entire experience of trying to figure it out. And that's also my fear of wanting to even have a label because then people will be like, wait, but you're not really that because you've only ever dated men like outwardly. And it's like, oh. It makes me sad. Yeah, it hurts. That's awful. Because Sarah and I talked about this in one of our episodes, but we're like, no one should ever tell you what you feel like, no. like, where is like, that is not their place. And I've heard it too. Not at all. 100%. Yeah. Like so yeah, many. I'm things. so sorry. And that's why I'm glad that I play characters that have real feelings and they're attached to real people. Cause I'm like, I read, you know, Vanessa was so close to me. It was scary, you know? And that's why I was able to kind of own it a bit more and talk and start even saying the word queer. I don't, I don't even think I had ever said it before then. Like, it was that big. So wow. it allowed me to open up. Yeah. It's cool that you got to have some of these conversations for the first time as your character. Yeah. And it felt That's good. You unreal. know, it, it felt like a mask, but then at the same time, I felt so seen. Yeah. And that is such a weird concept to me that, you know, because I hadn't quote unquote come out or done the post or, you know, there were some people in my life who knew that about me, my close friends, but not in like in a social kind of event, you know, not on social media, not 
you know, I don't just like shout it out from the mountaintops. This is the closest I'll ever get to it. Mm-hmm. And, wow. you know, I'm just like living as I learn and as I own myself. I wasn't ready before that, I think. And now I get to not have shame attached to it. And the more conversations I have, the more empowerment I feel. So that's right. <laughs> so you've played multiple queer characters. Um, mm-hmm. Is there one that you feel like is most important to you or maybe represents you most? I mean, Brooklyn. Utopia Falls was life-changing. Mm. Wow. Um, in so many ways. I love that the, the sexuality and who they were and who they loved was never at the forefront. It wasn't, it wasn't a story about queerness. It was just love. And nobody in that world ever questioned them. You know, mm-hmm. they could freely talk about like, oh, I like this person. And they're not going to go, oh, I didn't know that you liked, you know, and yep. just simply go, oh my goodness. Wow. Great. Like that is what I wish the world would be. And, and it just allowed this freedom. And for once, I, it just felt normal to be like, that is the person I like. It, it's, it's who I make eye contact with. And there's an energy there. There's a vibe. There's a connection. Yep without it having to be about their gender. And it was so cool because they were also young. It was a YA series, like young audiences watching this. I felt like it was so important for young adults to watch this and, and feel seen without judgment, without having to explain themselves. And it changed my life. Like last year when the show premiered, that's when I really started owning myself and my sexuality especially I mean young people don't know this but I get asked like if I'm in the community all the time are you queer are you gay are you lesbian are you bi are you this and I don't think it's right to ask someone that but I know that it's also not malicious but I appreciated that they were just like excited to be like yes one of us like if you're actually queer and you're playing a queer character this is even more impactful at this point I hadn't even come out to my team like my agent and my manager I had a choice. I was like, okay, I need to like tell them. Should I tell them? And I did. And they were so happy. And I remember my agent said this and they were like, this is only going to make you more relatable to mm-hmm. your fandom. Oh yeah. So, you know, we love you and thank you for trusting us and letting us know and onwards. And it was just so like, oh, relieved, you know, it was to like, feel oh, that, that was beautiful. And, and yeah, there was just like very specific people in my life that didn't know like my parents and I told them as well it was just like slow this was only like a year ago right so it's been like this huge thing of like okay I gotta do it for me not because they need to know but because I want them to know you know they they were still very loving and accepting and I didn't expect that um the way I explained it to my mom I remember exactly like the first moment I told her actually and we were eating at a restaurant and a person's walking down the street they are dressed in a dress and seemingly to my mom she was like that man is wearing a dress and she like made some kind of comment Mm -hmm. and I was like oh my gosh I feel my heart I feel like this speech coming out and I had to just say it and I was like you know mom that's just the way they're expressing themselves they may not even identify as a woman or a man they could just feel and be whoever they are and if they feel confident in wearing a dress like why does that make it a woman you know like people just are who they are and they love who they love. And, you know, like I've always felt that way. I just love people for who they are. I don't care if they're a man or a woman. Like I just, I love people. And that's what I said. She just like held my hand and she was crying and she was like, you have a big heart. So I understand. That's all it was. And I was like, okay, are we good? Oh, <laughs> Yeah. It was just oh like God. a moment in the universe that like she understood 
and it was just so beautiful because as confusing as it could be you know like my parents live in Saudi Arabia like you still get stoned there if you're gay so coming to Toronto and seeing how free people are with their expression um, it can be very jarring and I know that they don't mean harm it's just that I think back home when someone's uncomfortable they make a joke Mm -hmm. so humor is used as a way to express fear and uncertainty and uncomfortable feelings so I tried to kind of like have a lesson in there and like she kind of got that and she was like that's just a person and you know you don't have to judge them they feel confident look at how amazing they look walking down the street whoever they are like that's just a person There are so many mothers and fathers who spent their whole life in North America and wouldn't have that reaction. And she's coming from Venezuela. I know. Her whole world is exactly how you described your growing up experience. And she she doesn't even take a beat. Like she just grabs your hand and accepts you. Yeah. And I can see that there was like turmoil because she was crying instantly, but she was holding my hand and like caressing it and like almost like this comfort, like she just wanted me to know that she's she's understood and she still loves me and she's like you have a big heart like that's all she said yeah and like I know you love people and I was like oh my god and that's it like that's all you need to hear to know that's all I needed to hear yeah you know and we had another conversation after with my dad as well and it was a very emotional conversation but I was just opening up about my feelings and they just never wanted to like know more I guess they were just like yeah this is you we love you and Mm great like they've seen the interviews that I've been doing lately they've seen my material and I just get messages being like great interview we're so proud of you you know so it's like you know it's just kind of like okay great so we're we're doing the thing and I get to just be me and you're not going to be like what does this mean you know like that's my fear of being like oh my god are they going to be upset but you know it's not about them either way if that Mm -hmm. happens I I have the words now to be able to talk to them whereas before I didn't I would have just freaked out and be like yep, you're right. Never mind. I'm just going to go over here. Right. And I think that's an important part of your story is that like one thing, like me and Persis talked recently about what people should do if they want to come out and they haven't done it yet. And one thing that Persis, like Persis's main advice was take your time and you don't need to come out if you're not ready. And I for think sure. for your story, it's clear that like you took the, you took the time. Like oh, I you took time. <laughs> took time and oh, yeah. you figured it out. And like, exactly like you said, you figured out, first of all, the way you feel and what you want, but you also figured out like the right way to say it and the right way to express it not just through your personal life but through your characters and I think yeah. like there's just beauty in time I I feel like that's Absolutely. an important thing to remind people of yeah well I like that there's beauty in time, <laughs> there's beauty in time. that's I love that yeah guys <laughs> really good thank you I'm gonna get that tattooed tomorrow oh it's wow. a Sarah original so you're all you're all welcome <laughs> I love that I love that so tell us about getting your role on Ginny and Georgia. What was that like? Honestly, it was such a fast, didn't really think twice about it kind of moment. So when I got the audition email, it was the night before I had to fly out to Newfoundland to start another project. So in my mind, I was like, I don't have time. Once I get there, I'm going to be busy. So I'm going to have to shoot it tonight, like same day. Mm-hmm. and we were literally cooking dinner me and my partner and I was like you have to help me shoot this so I literally took like 20 minutes 15 20 minutes to memorize the lines to be fair I have no issue with memorizing like that is probably my superpower as an actor but the second I read the sides and I saw the breakdown I was like oh okay so just be me literally I'm just gonna like bring myself into this 
I feel her energy. She's fun and loving. She's kind, but she also has very clear boundaries. Like I posted it today, actually, like the two scenes that I did was when um, they're at Battle of the Bands and she's like, oh, so you're actually a stalker. She's like, but like in a cute way. And I'm like, yes, definitely in a cute way. And then the other one was the Halloween one where she's like, everyone wants to see us make out. And I'm like, uh, what was that? So yeah. from those two scenes, I got exactly who she was. And I literally sent it right there and then like supernatural makeup. Didn't even do my hair. I was like, I don't have time. There's no time. Just do it. And um, she's a teenager. So I was like, I don't want to do too much because I think I just have to let my like real skin glow. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to shoot it, send it literally let it go I didn't even think of it I was working and I didn't think of it until it came back and they were like you have an offer and I was like what that was like the fastest easiest thing like I you know and it was Netflix I had never booked a Netflix show before I think at this time I hadn't even done Jupiter's Legacy yet so it was just kind of like wait what like they want me that's cool um (laughs) and it happened so fast (laughs) that's that's cool cool. nice (laughs) And honestly, like, I have to tell you, I did not know anything about the show. They don't give us scripts. They don't give us scenes. They just give us those snippets and you just kind of have to build the world. So I didn't know that it was going to be this. I didn't know it was going to be this big, this impactful, that their storyline would be this beautiful, like, organic relationship that happens. Like, I had no idea until I started shooting and I started reading the scripts. We got them, like, two at a time. So we were also in the dark about all of these things and it was just so beautiful to kind of experience it together as a cast. But, you know, I had no idea that it would be this and that I would be here talking about this because at one point it was just a little blip in time, you know, you never know what you're going to get. You just have to like do the work and put it out there and then let it go. And if it's yours, it'll come back to you. Yeah, no, I I definitely love that. And I, I even told you, like I watched the show in literally three days. Like I was (laughs) obsessed and I totally related to Max's character, like being yeah. in in high school and meeting like a Sophie Sanchez. Like I definitely yeah. think I had my Sophie in <laughs> high school. <laughs> yeah, you did. I we all had our Sophie for sure. Well, yeah. <laughs> and I definitely did some Max things. Like even that scene with like, are you stalking me kind of thing. I was like, why is this yeah. me? Like I was literally Max. Oh, it's and so I'm- good when you can like actually pinpoint and you're like, oh, I'm, I feel seen. Holy. Yeah. I yeah. was. And I mean, like, I mean, it's, it's amazing to see that type of representation. Right. So mm-hmm. I wish I had that show. And I say that <gasps> ab- about even like shows like atypical. And then when I saw Ginny and Georgia, I was like, if 15 year old purse could like, oh yeah. See Max and see Sophie. I feel like it just <laughs> would have saved me so much shit. So much heartache. <laughs> so many like toxic relationships. I could have hit on cute girls in school and like never did you know like god damn it yeah I'm really mad that I didn't take advantage of that like my my Sophie was like my my best friend in high school who I've talked about openly like on this podcast too I feel like at this point she just she just knows everything but I was like I wish there's so many girls I look back at now that I'm like if I was out and I was proud and owned myself yeah different ball game different ball game no 100% and like I say that too I wish that I had the show growing up. It would have been incredible. Or Utopia Falls even. Like just a show that showcased a person of color, first of all, and someone who was queer and someone who was so just confident in what they wanted. Knowing that, I know how important it is for the show to be out now and for the teenagers that are watching it. So I'm just happy that it exists. 
Do you remember the first time you saw a queer character in TV or movies? Mm. Honestly, I don't think there's a moment that I like can point out. I'm trying to remember like circle it's, back, circle back to me. It's so hard to, it's so <laughs> hard I to like, even I think. Don't I don't even know. I'm thinking of me in high school. I, well, I can't even think of something. It wasn't big for us growing up in Canada. And like, I can't even imagine growing up in Venezuela. Like you said, like you're watching, <laughs> you're watching telenovelas. <laughs> like, yeah, yes, exactly. Very ambiguous um, fortune teller who has, his own show now in Netflix called Amor Amor, I believe. Okay. We had a, a fortune teller, some kind of psychic, and he, they, I'm not sure how they identify. They were always very, like, metrosexual, if that makes sense. Like, very feminine, but also a man, but also, like, the voice. Like, we didn't know. He was just this, like, mysterious person, and everyone loved him. Even though I think he's gay, like... You know, I, I don't want to assume, but like it was very obviously different than like any man that you see on screen. So that's yep. all I had. No one ever questioned him. So what the heck? I feel like this was a common trope for like gay characters in the media in like the 90s and when we were growing up was like they would often be in like costume or they would be over yes. the top or they over like, the top. So your yeah, your fortune so teller, true. he's in a costume. He's you know what I'm it's saying? It's almost like phony or like not real or some kind of like fantasy. Like it's otherworldly. Otherworldly, totally. yeah. And so now we have shows like Ginny and Georgia where you are just like any girl you would go to school yeah. with, work with, and it's just completely different. And but. and she just is. Even in the show, they mention like, oh yeah, Sophie Sanchez. She's she dated. She had a boyfriend before or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, normalize the fact that like she could date whoever she wants. Yeah. And they don't talk about her labels, but I'm like, I don't know. Maybe she's probably bi or pansexual. I don't think she cares about the way I played her. I'm like, if you're cute, I'm a hate, I'm a hit on you. Like, that's, that's <laughs> what she is. Yes. That's going to be my motto in life. Yeah. Yeah. Our <laughs> mottos are time is beauty. And if you're, if you're cute, cute, I'm going to hit on you. On you. <laughs> That was another thing, too, that I loved about the show was that there wasn't so much emphasis, too. And I know this is important. I'm not trying to take away that people's coming out journeys or even their struggles with their sexuality aren't important. But I liked that there wasn't a lot of emphasis on Max being gay. You know, it was yeah. just like, I'm I'm a lesbian and there doesn't have to like, we don't have to go into our struggles or. Yeah, like a perfect, it's I don't just know. a positive depiction of someone who has probably been through the struggle or come out or whatever. And like, you know, even her mom says it. She's like, oh, I knew about Max from like the beginning. She was always like this. And I appreciated that, that it's just, you know, cause we do see a lot of queer stories and we see the struggle, which I think it is important to have on screen, but I also want it to be easy as well. I want to see a story where like, you don't have to explain what you went through and you can just live in it. And it was so refreshing for sure to see Max's story. Like her jokes are great. Like they're so good. I remember when she first meets G Jenny and she's like, how do you identify? What's your label? She's like straight. And she's like, oh, there are no good gays anymore. Like, <laughs> I love that line. She's like, yeah, it's so good. I would love to hear what both of you guys think about representation for femme presenting queer women, because I think that is in and of itself kind of a new thing in media through characters like Sophie. But like, that's still new because for so many years, there was just like the butch lesbian, for example, as a trope. So how do you guys feel about that as as two women who are a bit more femme presenting? For sure. And I think all my characters have been just because 
And I appreciate that because I'm like, that's also an extension of me. That's how I, you know, I love dolling up, like dolling myself up and wearing makeup and all these things. And at first look, people would probably be like, oh, she's just straight. You know, like that is the stereotype that it can't just be someone who looks like a regular quote unquote femme. Like it can just be anyone. So I appreciate it because I'm sure that a lot of people can just be like, oh, now it's breaking that mold. And this, it could be anybody. So you, I mean, the lesson here is that you should never assume anybody's preference or gender or sexuality, like never, because it could look like anybody and there's no one way to look. I mean, I think back in the day, maybe there was a bit more pressure to be like, okay, so if you are this, this is what you have to look like. Here's the shoes, here's the this. And you know, there's still stereotypes like that, that there's like common things people wear and blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And like, I never fit into any of that. So in my mind, I was like, oh, then I must not be queer because I'm not queer enough. I don't fit into any of these categories. I'm just like a Latina woman who's very fun presenting and like love wearing high heels and tight jeans and crop tops. And people are going to mm-hmm. be like, you're not queer. I don't believe you. It's like, uh, cool. Purse gets that all the time. Yeah. All purse. I know literally though, as recently, like as earlier in 2020, like Mm -hmm. a lot of my, like I'm Indian Mm -hmm. and not like my family has been amazing. Like my immediate family, but I have a lot of family like in Texas and Florida who have totally been like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, what the heck? (laughs) Oh yeah. What are you about? Or they'll be like, oh, she's so like feminine. Like I just I don't get it. Yeah. But yes. it, it's so real, right? Like I want to yeah. see those conversations on screen, actually. Like those are so real, you know, like write the oh, script yeah. right now. And and how do you break that cycle of like we can look like that? It's by doing this. It's by playing those characters where they just own yep. it and they just are. And people are like confused at first and then they're like, oh, okay, I accept it because I see the love and it's real. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Could you ever see yourself like writing something, like writing your own character? For sure. Yeah. I think about it all the time, but I, I like, I'm scared to like write down anything permanently, but I have ideas and concepts in my head at all times. It'll come when I'm ready, I guess, but no, a hundred percent, especially for like Venezuelan actor roles. Like there's not a lot of a Venezuelan actors in Hollywood, especially queer Venezuelan actors. Like it is so rare. It's funny because I actually ha- got a message from Rafael from Dynasty. He's also a queer Venezuelan actor. And wow. Uh, yeah, Rafael de la Fuente. And he reached out to me after he saw the show and he was just like, I love to see you shine. Like he was just like, think like we are out here. And it's so rare because I mean, first of all, I'm like, you got like a million followers. I didn't even think that you know you reach out but I'm like you're just this other human but when you see yourself represented it doesn't matter like you want to know who that person is and like I really appreciated that because like what other Venezuelan queer person do you know that's like an actor it's so so rare and also like me and Purse have talked about this like I think a lot of like I identify as straight and so I try to bring like the straight perspective in sometimes when when me and Mm -hmm. Purse are chatting about this stuff and I feel like a lot of I hear a lot of straight people with the the concept that haven't we solved the problem already? Like, right. it, it, like it's totally cool to be gay. Like being gay is cool. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? Oh, like, gosh. Or, and, <laughs> and even having this conversation about racism as well, right? Yeah. Like, like, you know, yeah. um, there's so much representation. Why, why are we still having this conversation? And I think like this is a perfect example of why we're still having this conversation because you, like you said, he has a million followers. Yeah. And he felt so called to, to reach out to you and so like 
touched by your performance because they're because he didn't see any other Venezuelan representation. He didn't see himself out there. Exactly. Exactly. I just think that is like right there, a real time example of why we need to keep having these conversations. We have to keep stretching the borders because there are still boxes around us. Hundred percent. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah, easy and for straight white people to not see them because we of have course, we because have been you have a different experience of right. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Aww. And we will continue to have the conversations. Oh, yeah. It's like, we are here talking. We've been talking. (laughs) We wanted to ask you about, like, what's coming up? What are you excited about in the future? What projects do you have? Oh, my gosh. Well, I mean, things that I've already shot that are coming out uh, this Friday, my Universal Pictures movie, Nobody, is coming out. I had a little role in it. That's so exciting. And it was really cool because I got to work with Bob Odenkirk, and he's an incredible artist just to watch him work. I think I learned so much from that experience. Um, and it was also like my first ever Universal Pictures movie. So just to know that like that logo is going to come up and then it's going to be like, I'm really Gonzalez. Like, that's yes. it. I could die happy. <laughs> yes. 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 That's and, amazing. Um, yeah. So, so many like in- amazing things. Like this is going to be a big year because 2020 kind of slowed things down. So everything that was supposed to premiere last year is now premiering this year, I guess. But right. um, my two series, uh, one for Netflix, Jupiter's Legacy. I'm so excited to post everything about it. Um, <laughs> very excited for the role. I can't say much about it and I wish I could. I was going to say, I'm like, I don't know how much again. you can tell us. Yeah. Come back and tell anything. us. But May 7th, that's when it's coming out. The NBC show Nurses. I'm in season two and I play a doctor. So I'm very excited for that because it's very different from anything I've ever done. And it was very challenging. And I get to be in a video game. Far Cry 6. <gasps> Is coming Wait, out this what? year. Yes. Wait. I did the did you do the capture whole... and voice? Yeah. Oh everything. my god. So you got? Did yeah. you wear like the suit with the little balls all over it? Yes. Yeah. Oh so that's the god. suit in the volume. It's like infrared camera, so they catch all your movements. And I did the voice as well. So oh. very excited for that. I get to like play it and see all my friends in it. <laughs> Versus is freaking out. I yeah. did just shoot a movie that will come out this year as well, so I'm very excited for that one. And uh, I'm starting a new project in a couple weeks uh, with Netflix as well, so that one is a complete secret, but I'm very, very excited for that. Amazing! Um, so yeah, lots of amazing things coming, and I'm just so grateful. Honestly, it feels like there's a momentum, and I'm, I'm working towards those big roles. You know, the more you grow, the more competitive it gets, but I also feel like the universe will give me what I'm ready for, right? Like if I get the opportunities because I'm ready for it. So I'm just open heart, ready for it all. Totally. I love that mentality so much though too. Just, you know, like knowing when you're ready and like timing is everything. It is everything. I mean, even when I started in this career, I wanted to start from the bottom. I wasn't just going to start with like a series regular on the CW, which could have happened. I had auditioned for Veronica and Riverdale. (gasps) No. But I just was not ready. I totally bombed that audition. I like totally freaked out. I was freaking out. I love Cami Mendez, but I feel like you would be a really good Veronica. <laughs> Back then, like six years ago, I was a mess. <laughs> no. Yeah. So when the timing is right. Exactly. Mm. The timing is right. I built mm-hmm. myself up. I started literally with one line in a TV show and I build up from there. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. it's all about confidence. Do you have any advice for? Any women who look up to you for your roles or for who you are personally, like whether they are Latina or whether they are queer or not, what advice would you give to someone who just like sees themselves in you? Honestly, 
um, I guess there's like categories, but if the inspiration comes from knowing that you feel like you're part of the community and there's a fear of coming out or not being accepted, um, I think the key to all of it is just at least accepting yourself. It took me a long time to get to that. And I think if I had loved myself and been patient and kind with the younger version of myself, I would have had an easier time because dealing with shame and guilt every day when you encounter relationships or any type of friendship, it was always attached to it. And there's this saying that it's like, um, if you have cuts that haven't healed, you will bleed on other people, right? Because you're oh, just yeah. always kind of like bleeding out. I think I butchered that, but it's something in the vein <laughs> of that. But no, that makes like, sense. I would encourage people to, um, you know, when they see me, they're like, you're so positive and you're so like, it seems like everything is always going great. And like, there's nothing wrong with you. You're like this perfect human. I'm not. <laughs> I think also like social media is so easy to post about all of the great things and not always about the struggles and the anxieties and the, the stress and the, the pressure that I put on myself to be a certain way, because I feel like there's like a huge responsibility to be a certain way. But mm. I always try to remind myself that there's a balance, right? Like there's how people see me and there's what's actually going on inside. And I do struggle with things and like perfection is not the, what I'm looking for. Um, just growth. So know that you're continuously growing. And that would be my advice that it's okay to feel like you're this like rough draft of yourself. Um, that's totally valid because I think it's so beautiful. I think mistakes are a gift because it means that you get to learn from them. Um, not being a natural at something at first and struggling is another gift because it means that you have growth to do and you get to, you know, I don't ever want to get to like the place where I say I've made it. This is it. I'm perfect now. I don't need to do any more work. I want to continuously evolve and grow. So we're always going to feel like there's something else and something's missing. And I think instead of it seeing it as a negative thing, it's, it's an opportunity to seek what that is. So, you know, I often felt that I think we did when we were young, a lot of the time where you feel lost and you're confused and you're struggling or, you know, dealing with all of these feelings that sometimes you don't have anyone to talk to. They're totally valid, but, you know, they'll be replaced by other feelings eventually. And you just have to be kind to yourself. Just like be patient because how could we know everything and how did we couldn't, we couldn't know what we know now. Back then, everything was so life and death and like, yeah, life kind of is. We're just slowly dying. <laughs> In a way, like, sorry to go, like, totally. Like, we are kind of dying. That's so. the best thing I've ever heard. I'm so sorry. What advice do you have for young listeners? Well, we're well, all slowly. Dying. I actually love that. That is That amazing. is my favorite thing. It is, like, a beautiful thing. Like, it is. you know, we're here today. Tomorrow, we're going to be a little, a day older and we're closer to our death but in a beautiful way we're always going to be growing and expanding and changing so like allow yourself allow yourself to feel where you are right now yeah. and know that that is okay I love that you said you're always going to be a rough draft of yourself yeah always you don't ever want to be the final draft like who even knows what that looks like yeah it oh doesn't God. exist it doesn't no. exist no. it doesn't we're constantly editing adding new paragraphs citing different resources we have to normalize changing our minds about things that right. comes with everything, like our sexuality, our preference, or our career. I mean, especially in the last year, people have had to prioritize different things and they've had to kind of yeah. 
reinvent themselves and look inward and be like, what do I actually want to do with my life? What matters? What can I do? And, and it's okay. It doesn't mean that your life is falling apart. It's a huge opportunity to start over and, and do something different. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Look at where we are. There's a pandemic. Who's going to plan for this, huh? No, mm-hmm. might as well just do your thing. Like, would we have <laughs> ever planned? Like, what I would have never, never in my, like, in ever in my lifetime thought life is just a mess, but not. Yeah. It was a, you know, it's a beautiful mess. It's a beautiful mess. I mm-hmm. think uh, it allowed us to see life differently and appreciate things a little different. So, you take it's all perspective, I think, and that's kind of what I'm about lately. Um, it's not what happens; it's how you react to it. Amen. 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 Drop the mic. (laughs) (laughs) We're all slowly dying, baby. We're all slowly dying. Oh my gosh. Oh no. People are going to come back and be like, I'm really, what the hell? No. Sorry. No, this has been, honestly, this has been like my favorite conversation we've had. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you you for being so vulnerable and like so honest and real and sharing your story. I feel like this is a story that so many people need to hear that probably haven't heard yet that they can relate to. I appreciate you. Um, Full disclosure, this is the first time I've ever opened up about any of this. So it was a big step for me too. I've never talked about, you know, coming out or my characters or thing in in this much Mm -hmm. detail. So thank you for, uh, you know, I welcomed it. I was like, this is the time. It, it must is. Be now. And I'm honored. I'm honored. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. I'm really, where can we find you on socials oh, yes. for, for the audience? Oh, yes. Uh, right. At Umberly. It's my name. And uh, that's on Instagram. Sorry, I was like, where? <laughs> that's my name. <laughs> At Umberly G on Twitter. Love it. Uh, it's pretty cool. Nobody really has my name. So when I made an Instagram, it was just like Umberly. And they were like, that is available. I'm like, cool. I feel like yeah. you could probably sell that one day for like a million dollars. <gasps> we'll see. Oh, wow. Well, knock on wood. <laughs> <laughs> First, Sarah, did you love that conversation with Emberly? Absolutely loved it. Love her. I think she's so sweet and I love how open she was with us. And at the end of the day, this is what we want on the podcast. You know, Sarah and I are just two girls. We want to have these conversations with you. We're very open and we want to hear everyone's stories. So I was just very appreciative of the fact that we could get that with Emberly. And I don't know. I, I'm very moved by her story. We obviously did this interview over Zoom because we are in Corona times. But as soon as she logged on, I just felt like this whole wave of like ease washed over all of us. And there was an instant camaraderie that happened. Yeah. Um, and I think that's always kind of amazing when that can happen over Zoom, especially. But between three people who haven't really met, like it was just it was just such a like great connection. Thank you, Umberly, so much for chatting with us. Thank you, guys. And thank you, Umberly. All right, Sarah, are you ready for In Case You Missed It? I cannot wait for this one. All right, friends. So at the end of every episode, Sarah and I like to give you guys a fast fact that you may have missed in the queer pop culture world. But I think this is an interesting In Case You Missed It because if you missed this... You might be living under a rock. Like, let's just say it. No judgments, no shame if you did miss it. But if you did, you know. Sarah, maybe they live in a pineapple under the sea. What is that, SpongeBob? <laughs> yes. Okay, well, listen. If you haven't heard of 
Elliot Page. You're living in a pineapple under the sea. Right. But also congratulations because right now you're going to learn about Elliot Page. So I'm so excited to talk about this because Elliot Page is the first transgender man to be featured on Time magazine. I actually didn't know that he was the first. That's so cool. I didn't know that either. And I am almost shocked that he is the first with us being in 2021. Mm -hmm. Like you would have thought that would have happened before, but I just think this is such an amazing step forward. And Mm -hmm. just the impact that this has on the transgender community because they still face so much prejudice. There's still so much violence against the community. The thing about Elliot having to come out as trans so publicly is like, he pretty much automatically becomes a part of a, a narrative where he has to be an activist. Like, there is so much violence against trans people. There is so much prejudice against trans people, maybe more than any other part of the queer community. And I just think it's interesting to unpack the idea of like, we can celebrate him coming out as trans and still there's like this layer where he has to automatically fight for trans people. There's really no, I, I, that's that's something that I thought about a lot when he when he came out. There's like no, no in-between, especially being so, um, he, he's just in the public eye. Like he is A-list celebrity. And so he could, you know what I mean? Like he, it wasn't just like, I'm trans. It was like, I have to stand for something now. And that's not a bad thing. I'm just saying like, it's just something, it's a part of the narrative that I noticed as soon as he came out. He um, talked a lot about the causes that he supports. He talked a lot about the different um, helplines that there are available to people who need them, um, all of that kind of stuff. And I think that's an interesting layer for people who do identify as trans um, that they kind of have to navigate there. And something I actually really found interesting when I read the Time article was that Elliot knew as young as I want to say, like maybe nine or 10 years old, that he felt like a boy. And Mm. this is something that really interests me about Hollywood and how Elliot got his start in acting was that, you know, he started landing these roles as like female roles. Very female, very female. Like he always kind of played like the hipster girl, I guess you could say. Um, Even in like Juno, I feel like Juno is probably one of the most popular movies that he's been in or Inception is probably the most popular, but I felt like he always played like hipster girl roles. So it wasn't like super, super femme, ultra femme, but it was still like quaint and a little bit dainty. You know what I mean? 100% the perception I had. I don't know. For some reason, when I read that section... And Elliot was even saying how they would fit him in these, you know, this wardrobe that was only meant for a woman and how he felt so uncomfortable and just didn't feel like himself. And it felt like he was so sick to his stomach to like be in these clothes. I I just really felt that because I feel like it's kind of true. Like, I'm sure a lot of queer people could even feel this way with how Hollywood even like, I don't know. I guess it depends on like the time you're in or like even your agent or what's going on with like the type of your publicist or the media you're presenting. But I feel like with Elliot, his role was to be this type of girl. I always just found that very interesting and from a Hollywood perspective to think how they're casting and then the type of pressure you probably feel as Elliot who at that point maybe hadn't come out as transgender to be like, what am I also presenting to the world? 
Right, right. And I think that the another part of this too is like, I always saw Elliot before he came out as trans as someone who represented queer women. Like I always found, I when I thought about him, I, like he was openly queer. So I always felt like, oh, that's representation for, you know, thousands and thousands of queer women. Um, and I think that as his career progressed, he did start to play more roles that were a bit more androgynous and a, and a, and a bit more representative of maybe how he was presenting at that time. I guess the point I'm trying to make is like, he was able throughout his career to become this queer person that people could look up to, but he still wasn't fully being himself. And it takes time. And he he took that time and he figured it out and um, figured out when was the right time for him to speak publicly about who he is. But um, I just think it's so cool how he can be multiple things to multiple people. I'm just really happy for him at this point and to also be that voice for the transgender community because there's a point that he makes in the article where he's saying there's so many this is so sad to say, but like influential people spreading myths about the transgender community, like just saying things that are just like completely not right. If anyone hasn't seen it, there's a documentary available on Netflix called Disclosure, and it talks all about trans representation in the media. Watching that documentary was a really um, interesting experience for me to understand the perceptions of trans people and how they have evolved, but also how they have been so stagnant. Like, this is a very important article. Everyone should read it. But on a base level, he is who he is now. And that's something to celebrate. It's something to share. And it's something to be really proud of. And that's the message we're trying to spread. And I know it's it's almost like it seems so much, it seems so easy to say, right? To say, he's saying he's fully who he is. Great. Like, let's accept that and just be happy with this. Right, but yeah. Unfortunately, it's always easier said than done, yeah. Unfortunately, that's not how society is because as Elliot even expected, yeah, he expected some positivity and he, and he expected people to say, congrats, I'm so happy for you. But then he also did expect all the transphobia coming in with people still not understanding. He's carving the path. I really, really think so. To be the first transgender man on Time Magazine is huge. And I just really hope that he can be that voice for the community as a starter. Yeah. And I, I did like in the article, he even acknowledges like, I'm white and I'm privileged. Yeah. And yeah. he said, that's unfortunately not the case for a lot of people of color in the transgender community who face so much violence like daily especially um black trans women like I, like i i need to fact check this as well but i believe that black trans women have the most violence put against them out of everyone in the trans community for elliot to acknowledge that his own privilege i think is really important i think the fact that he is a voice for the community is also something to talk about because that's just an example of how there's not enough trans representation happening. There's not enough, not at all. And I'm only hoping that like, as time goes on, and the same I feel for the queer community, um, anyone in the queer community, I just hope that there's gonna just like be more that we can just see, that people in our outer circles can just like see this stuff for themselves and hopefully, and normalize it. 
Me too, P. Me too. But for now, Elliot Page, we are so happy for you. You don't know us and you will ne probably never know us, but we love you and we are so happy that we can sit here and talk about your story because you decided to be so open and vulnerable. Listen, if there's anything I've learned, <laughs> media helps for sure. We are so influenced by the media around us. Okay, P, I am so happy that we have this podcast. <laughs> Me too. No, I genuinely am. Like, I, I know we started this kind of like on a whim to be like, let's just talk about our own conversations. You know, you're a straight girl. I'm a queer girl. And we have so many things we want to talk about. And as we keep having more episodes, I'm realizing how important it is. Even talking to Umberly today, it's just becoming more clear that there's countless other stories that need to be told thank you for listening we love you purse i love you sarah i love you and uh, we'll see you on the next episode